podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to The Tapping Go. My name is Matt. My name is Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals and we get their views on the latest sporting issues. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Tapping Go podcast. It's good to be back. We've had a couple weeks break, but we are back and we have a very special guest with us today. We have the strength and conditioning coach of the All Blacks, Nick Gill. How are you doing today? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Really good. Awesome. So I guess, so you first actually started off with the rowing. So you're rowing, um, helping out with the New Zealand rowing and their world champs in 2005, six and seven. Um, what were the main differences looking back now between the rowing and the rugby side? Oh, massive differences. Um, the rowers were always exhausted from being out on the water. So the Eastern Sea stuff was sort of um, very secondary. Um, you know, and, and they're preparing for one or two peaks in a year. Whereas obviously rugby players, we're, we're essentially peaking every Saturday. Um, we're not often very exhausted because we don't really train that, that much or that hard. Um, and and strength and power and stuff wasn't always secondary. It was always, you know, something that you could put some energy and effort into and make some good changes. So, yeah, very different, very different athletes, very different sort of sport. Um, but both, both, you know, the level that I've been working at, both types of athlete are, have, you know, highly motivated, highly talented, um, you know, very professional. So, um, you know, just, just, just different needs and different circumstances. And I guess sort of we want to, being a rugby podcast, go back into the rugby side of things. So I guess as the um, SNC coach of the All Blacks, what's sort of your goal there? To win. Understandable. <laughs> no, I, I suppose um, yeah, S&C for the All Blacks is probably um, you know it's all it's it's all about trying to make sure that that the athletes are able to do what's required of them in the park um, at a level that you know is is extremely high. The expectations are really high. The standards are uh, are very high. Um, you know, the competition for space or for spaces or for a spot in the team is is huge. Um, and so, you know, my job as a coach is to try and help these individuals achieve greatness, you know, achieve achieve their dreams. So, you know, that's that's what I like doing. I like trying to help. Um, and, you know, athletes come into the team from all different sort of backgrounds and at different levels and with different knowledge and different experience. So I've got to try and get to know the, the player and, and figure out how I can help. So um, yeah, that's, I suppose, my my purpose. Do you feel that your goal or as your approach has changed the longer you've been in the job and potentially with the new players coming through? Or have you changed your methods at all? Oh, heaps. Yeah, heaps. Yeah. I mean, every year is very different. Uh, even this year, you know, our team gets named on Monday and we get together on Wednesday for the first time in, I don't know, seven months. Um, and, you know, I haven't quite got it figured out yet, but it's going to be very different to previous years. Um yeah, it takes me a while to sort of wrap my head around to how it's going to look because I don't even know the athletes I've got yet. Um, but I do know what, what, what the playing schedule is like. So, you know, how we approach the, the playing schedule and the travel and, um, you know, the, the time and the cycle we're at, you know, we're, we're three years out from a World Cup. So, all that gets thrown into the mix and hopefully a plan comes out that's, um, you know, perfect and, and, and the best. Um, but no, approaches change all the time because the athletes change. You know, I've gone 
I've gone for a week with you know 112 kilo props to 135 kilo props. You know, over the time I've been with the team, um, the athletes are bigger, they're more powerful, they're stronger. Most of them have more appreciation and knowledge around nutrition and recovery and and all the little things that it takes to to perform. So, you know, the athletes are coming in more knowledgeable, um, and so that puts pressure on me to keep growing um, and keep keep evolving. Um, what we did last year is not good enough for this year is pretty much our approach. And you sort of quickly mentioned at the start about the travel and obviously rugby being an international sport, especially obviously in the All Blacks. Um, how, how does that work out with sort of the travel? Sort of sometimes you have to travel like 30 hours to get to your next week's des- destination and the rehab and the recovery and so on. <laughs> um, well, it's one of those things you can't do much about, right? You just got to get on with it. Um, you know, we've, you know, we've got some big travel planned at the end of the year. Um, but we just bloody make sure we get a good sleep and we make sure we slowly get going again. Um, you know, I find the older athletes and the older staff struggle the most with the travel. The younger athletes, just just not a big deal. Um, so so it's just one of those things. It's just another thing that we have to consider and plan for. Um you know, the structure that you put in place for athletes is normally one of the most important things um, because the structure will ensure that the right things are done at the right time. And and so that's where your planning comes into play and, and your, the ideas around how you could do things. Um, it's always interesting because I never know whether we're doing um, amazing stuff or not because I don't know what other people are doing, you know. So it's quite exciting. You sort of... You, you, you're, not inventing things, but you're trying to be innovative, but you actually have no idea whether you are because you don't know what others are doing. So um, it makes it quite exciting. What's sort of the typical week of an All Black in training from the match day from Saturday to the next one on next Saturday? Um, I'll, I, I mean, we, we play on Saturday night and typically and we recover and travel Sunday. So we always travel. We um, we don't have a home, so we never play. We never, we never go have a base. We just, we just go to the city we're about to play in, and we spend a week there. Um, so yeah, we're sort of nomads, um, and so we travel on the Sunday, recover, and then get up in the morning, and we get into some meetings and um, you know some gym work and 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 some light training, and then Tuesday's a big day, big day of on-field stuff and gym stuff, and we sort of have a day off somewhere in there. Um, to just give the give the players some time out and the staff some time out because it's pretty intense. Um, and then we have Thursdays a sort of three trainings in the day and and it's reasonably intense. Um, and then Friday we button off a bit and play Saturday. So it's sort of it's a pretty pretty standard routine that most most teams and clubs use. Um, where you know you're trying to taper for the for the week, um, but you need to you need to get some work done early on as well. Um, so, you know, it depends on how far we've travelled and, you know, if it's the fourth game in a row or or the first game, it's it's sort of, you know, the loading and stuff's all dictated by where we've been and where we're going. So, um, yeah, a few variations to that week, but otherwise pretty standard. Obviously, the training differs between positions, but does it also sometimes differ between the player and sometimes how long they've been in the squad or do the super rugby sides prep them well enough that everyone sort of comes in at the same, they should be roughly in the same place? No, everyone's different. You know, like um, we've got we've got two teams playing in the final this weekend, and we've got the other three teams that are out. So um, we don't have All Blacks at the moment, um, and so 
they'll all come in at a different place, needing different things. You know, some guys have played a final, so they'll need some downtime when they first make the team. And some guys have had a two weeks off, so they'll be ready to rock and roll. But um, no, everyone's different because, I mean, even if even if you got all the props together, they're all needing different things. Um, you know, they're all, you know, they all have different strengths and weaknesses and different knowledge bases and different levels of discipline and professionalism. So, so every player we try to treat differently. Um, what's what's ironic about that is typically that what you need to do doesn't change. You know, the fact that you're a prop, you still need to be bloody strong, um, big, um, explosive. Um, you know, so so you need to you all the props need to be like that. But everyone's sort of position on that chart is very different and maybe the expectations of us and how they progress on that chart is very different so um, I never say oh you all have to lift this much it's okay well what did you lift last year we want you to lift more this year you know so um, so I don't tend to compete too much um, but very individualised um, we try to be injury prevention and, and injury history is a big one that differentiates individuals a lot um, everyone's carrying some sort of niggle or some sort of past, so we've got to address that pretty big too. And when they're back in their respective super sides, is it more that there they're trying to create that strength and power, as you are saying, and when they're in the All Blacks, it's more injury prevention, or is it a continuation? If that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, um, um, injury prevention's massive, like it's big. You need your players on the park and um, you know, rehab's important to, to try and rectify past um, weakness or asymmetries from previous injury. Um, but, you know, a big part of injury prevention is being strong and fit. So um, you're never strong enough or fit enough, um, you know, because you don't keep it if you don't keep working it, you know. So you... you you don't use it, you lose it. So um, all those things just are constants, you know, running fitness, um, speed exposures, um, nutrition, injury prevention, rehab, strength, power, speed, all that's really important all the time. Mm. And Look, you get, sorry, uh, Freddie. Looking at injury prevention, obviously one of the main injuries which is sort of coming into the game more and more sadly is head injuries and concussions. As an SNC coach, is there still, if someone's out with a concussion, is there still stuff that you can get them to work on while keeping them safe? It depends on the symptoms. So we're guided by symptoms. Um, so, you know, if someone's had a head knock, um, the medical team drive um, what they're allowed to do when, but but typically the protocols are, you know, once you have no longer have symptoms, you can do some low-level low, low cardio, cardio exercise. And if you have no symptoms doing that, then you can try some higher intensity exercise. If you have no, no um, symptoms doing that, then you can lift some weights. If, if you have no injuries doing that, you can start doing some rugby training without contact, and then you progress into contact. So, um, you know, the SNCs should be very, very uh, integrated into that process. So, but the doctors taught to sort of lead the, the first, few, first couple of phases. Um, you know, and, and then we'll be picking them up as they start moving through those levels. But but essentially, like, the, the worst thing about concussion is that you, you can have a period of inactivity where you can't do anything because you've got symptoms. So we typically are really conservative, and if if you miss a week, then you need to do another full week to catch up um, before you're thrown out there again. So, um, you know, we, you know, the, the head's something we have to treasure. So, um, um, it's it's not like a calf or anything like that. 
I want to sort of slightly move on and talk about, I guess, the All Blacks mainly in the gym and sort of what's sort of like the atmosphere in the gym? What's sort of, I guess, yeah, yeah, the vibe and goal of it? Oh, yeah, it's interesting. Hey, like I see a lot, see a lot of stuff on the internet around gym sessions and stuff and the vibe and I think that's what you're getting at. But um, I, I suppose it depends on the result, <laughs> to be fair. Um but if we've if we've done well and, and and we've got another challenge coming up that's that's massive, um, yeah, you can definitely feel a difference on a Monday morning um, compared to if we've had a bad performance and we don't have a big threat on the horizon. Um, so you can get a little bit of feel for the group on a Monday morning. But um, you know the vibes about getting better. So um, sometimes it's it's you know individuals just working really hard on themselves in their corner, and other times is. There's a bit of banter going on, but um, you know we definitely try to enjoy the gym. But um, it's it's not a place where we muck around and you know get dressed in different bloody themes of costumes or do anything like that. It's 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 we get there to work, um, and that doesn't change. Is there a good level of competitiveness between the boys trying to outdo each other? Yeah, definitely. The thing you notice at an international level, with and I'm sure it's the same in any sport, but. Um, you know, when you're playing for your club, um, you know, you, you, and, and you're a good player, um, you might be the fittest in your position, you might be the strongest in your position, and, and that's you, that you become used to that. And then all of a sudden, you make an international team, and now actually, hey, you ain't that flash. You know, now you're surrounded by five other props that are fitter than you and stronger than you and leaner than you. And so all of a sudden, you're not cutting the mustard anymore. Um, so we definitely have competition um, because you're competing for spots. You know, there's only only 23 that can play the game and only 15 that can start. So well, if you've got a squad of 36, there's there's a fair bit of competition to try and get on that list. Um, and so you you know they people see players see what other players are doing and 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 they want a piece of that. So there's huge competition. I don't have to drive any of that. And how do you ensure that sort of, so you need that competitiveness between the individuals to keep the team progressing and moving forward, but how do you ensure that sort of, they still have that one team approach of all playing for New Zealand? Oh, I, I mean, I, I don't think we tried to manufacture anything like that. We, we all know that we're playing for the black jersey and, um, and the, the history and the legacy of the team is, is pretty powerful. Um, so there's not really, um, I mean, I mean, you do have, I suppose, moments where people aren't putting the team first. But um, you know, if you're someone that does it often, you don't last very long. So um, you know, that's any and every team talks about that. Every team has that mantra. You know, got to put the team first. But um, these levels of of you know how deep does that go is something that is most important. So. Um, you know, it's something that we, we are mindful of and athletes are mindful of. Um, and I'm sure it's the same in every team. And I guess sort of what's the most impressive thing you've seen someone do in the gym out of sort of a... Uh, have you ever been you know, sort like, of like... Take, sorry, yeah. What's that? Have you ever been sorry, sort of like that? almost like struck by sort of a individual sort of thing or... Yeah, I, I suppose not really. Like it takes a takes a fair bit to impress me in the gym, but I mean, I suppose um, I, I, I do get blown away with power. Like um, some some players' ability to almost fly. Um, that's probably something that I, I still get like pretty pretty like wow. You know, guys jumping really high or jumping really far. Um, I remember an, an All Black a few years ago, Jose Gear. Um, 
who used to do a, a horizontal jump, and it just honestly was effortless, and he would just fly through the air like it was just just every time I watched it, it was like, man, that's awesome. Um, and, and same as guys jumping onto boxes, you know, some some athletes being able to jump as high as you know other athletes' head, you know, is pretty impressive. Um, so and big guys too. So so that that springiness or that that explosive power. Um, to fly through the air is pretty cool to watch. And is there a sort of certain position that tends to be more athletic? Like you mentioned Jose Gear with the wingers, and I'm just thinking of like the wingers being able to sort of do their sort of their finishes where they sort of like jump and almost fly and one hand touch it down. Is it Yeah, I mean I think I think a lot of your a lot of your um your backs are, are, are pretty athletic, aren't they? Like the sort of they, they're sort of the, the physical specimens that could probably do, be good at a lot of things because um, they've obviously got some some good fast twitch fiber there and they're normally very very lean and and you know because that you know some of the wingers and some of the acrobats when they score in the corner are pretty phenomenal to watch aren't they you know so um, I, I think I think the yeah the back line typically is is full of the athletes. Um, um, but I mean, gee, some of the loose forwards that are running around nowadays are, are, are amazing specimens as well. Um, and I mean, even some of the locks, you know, some of the things that some locks can do around the world is pretty phenomenal how much ground they can cover, uh, how fit they are, how strong and powerful they are. Um, there's definitely been some huge um, changes in what's expected from the forward pack now. You know, you probably used to be the big chubby guys, you know, that, that were sort of big and chubby and that was it. Whereas, now your, your forward packs are actually powerful, um, strong, um, you know, athletes that can actually do stuff. You talk about looking around. The world. Sorry, you're talking about looking around the world, seeing other people, other locks and stuff. Are there any players who you've sort of seen play with other nationalities who you wish you could have in the All Black setup just so you could coach or you think we could help? No, no, not at all. I don't wish I could help any of them. Um, no, and I only help the ones in the black jersey, mate. So, um, no, no, I, I, you know, as you do, you look around, but um, um, it's 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 just phenomenal that the athletes just keep evolving and the level that's required just keeps getting higher. And um, you know, you you definitely notice that that there's. Um, you know, the bar is still going up, um, going up slowly now. You went up really fast here for a while, but it's going up a bit slow, more slowly now in terms of, you know, size increases and strength changes and stuff. But um, that's just natural, natural that, that that's going to slow down as the sport's now been professional for sort of 25 years. Um, you know, we've got to a point where, you know, the generations have changed enough that, that young athletes are coming out of school with, with amazing abilities and um yeah, athleticism. So um because there's actually a career path, you know, people can be a professional athlete now and earn really good money. Whereas, you know, unless you're in America playing ba basketball or baseball, um, you know, you, there wasn't really a career path. Whereas, you know, a fifteen year old boy or girl at school now can can actually set a legitimate career path of becoming a professional athlete in their twenties, you know. And you sort of mentioned that sort of escalated um, sort of track of players getting bigger, faster, stronger. And there's a lot of talk at the moment of our players getting too big. What's sort of your opinion on this? Yeah, I, I, like I definitely have noticed that with there is this. What, what I don't like, I don't like how slow the game is. Um, you know, um, it really frustrates me, um, but probably lots of other. Um, people as well, especially people watching the game on TV or live, is, 
you know, it takes some teams two minutes to pack a scrum down because they all need a breather. You know, they're all knackered. Um, you know, I just it takes some teams two minutes to kick a penalty goal because they're trying to give their big boys a rest. You know, I just I feel like that's wrong. Um, you know, rugby league, rugby league's made some changes in their game. Ice hockey's made some changes in their game. Aussie rules has made changes in their game to speed it up, um, to increase you know the 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 demands on the athletes. So that fatigue is a is a component of of you know the the game. Um, where I sort of feel like rugby's sort of gone the opposite. Uh, we've got bigger athletes that can be subbed after 45 minutes. You know, how often does a prop now play 80 minutes in, in international rugby? Never. Um, when I started, props were playing 80 minutes. Um, that's why they were smaller, because to to get around the park, you you can't run around 135 kilos for 80 minutes. Um, so so I, yeah, it does frustrate me a little bit because you know I love I love fitter athletes that can go all day um, and not necessarily be those those big rocks that can just you know scrum and then walk. Um, but hey, that's just my personal opinion. One thing that's been raised in the news recently and sort of over the last couple of years is the positive impact FNC and the gym in particular is having upon players' mental health because it's sort of allowing them their time to sort of work on themselves. Have you sort of seen that while watching the game? It has actually helped people's mental health because mental health is such a big thing in the game. Yeah, um, well, I just think exercise helps mental health, right? Like I think it's um, it's proven, you know, the best form to treat depression is to be active and, and, and exercise, you know, and and I think that, um, you know, what's, you know, so long as everything else in people's lives is okay, um, exercise is really important for that. And that's why you guys asked about what's a gym session like and what's the purpose of it. Well, we want to enjoy the gym. We want to enjoy training, you know, like you want to enjoy what you're doing, even though it's a job, um, it's still important to, to, to have a smile on your face. Um, you know, we can still have expectations and standards and we can still be disciplined and and, and be doing the right things at the right time, but um, it doesn't mean you do it without a smile on your face. So I think, you know, that, that, that the S&C world, um, if we're actually, if we're honest, it's about exercise, doesn't matter what it is, it's about doing it with a smile on your face and making it enjoyable so people want to keep doing it. And if people want to keep doing it, then then some forms of mental health will be will be improved because you're you're staying active, you know, and you know hopefully hopefully I mean I'd like to think that you know pro- professional athletes are enjoying the exercise component of their training, you know, so that when they stop becoming professional, when they stop being a professional athlete, they stay fit and healthy when they stop, you know, and they're, and they're fit for life because they've enjoyed that aspect of being a professional. Um, you know, without any expectations or, or standards. So I guess you quickly touched about the sort of the World Cup cycle and how we're sort of three years out. Three years out? Yeah, two years now, I guess. Um, so how do you sort of stage each year differently as sort of the S&C coaches and the All Blacks? Um, the well, not too, not, yeah, not too different because we still need to try and win every game, right? So just because we're two and a half years out or whatever it is, it, it doesn't mean we're thinking too far ahead about about that. Um, I mean, staff and players, well, none of us know if we're going to be there, right? So um, you sort of, you, because if we don't win now, we won't be there. <laughs> so so we have to keep things pretty short, 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 short-minded and narrow-focused um, in terms of what we're trying to achieve. We... We know we need to raise the bar year upon year for leading up to a World Cup, but 
but no point in raising the bar from from a, you know the bottom of a heap to to just play well come that year. Um, that is still the pinnacle event, but um, you know we still need to we still need to beat the Wallabies and Fiji and Tonga and South Africa and Argentina and all those teams this year, um, regardless of when the World Cup is. Mm. And I guess you were uh, so so. So you saw the 2011 World Cup team and the 2015 World Cup team that both won gold. Which one do you think would win if they went head-to-head? Oh. Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, um, oh, well, you had a lot of players in both, to be fair, in both both teams. So, you know, we had Richie and Dan and Kevy and all those guys in the, in the, in the 2011 and 15 team. Um, I'd probably say... Um, well, I'll probably say 2015. Hmm. Um, I mean, we the 2011 team, we won in New Zealand. We, um, you know, we stuttered across the finish line. We played really well in the semi-final. But the 2015 team, um, you know, we were we were playing in England. We were playing away from home, and and we were pretty dominant. Um, you know, right right up until the last whistle um, of the final. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say I'd probably say the 2015 team. What changed in your opinion between 2011 and 2015? Was it just the case of on the day in 2011 you started, as you said, or was there something different that had been added to the system by 2015? Oh, no, probably just more experience in the squad. Um, oh, there's a lot of pressure, wasn't there, on that, on that 2011 um, final. I mean, we had the weight of the nation watching, and, you know, there was a hell of a lot of pressure. Um you know, and the French, the French. You know, we we walloped them in the round round robin game. So, so mentally, you know, the team was probably thinking, oh, we walloped them three weeks ago. We'll wallop them again. But that wasn't the case. So, so I think it was just a very different, unique time. Um, in 2015, you know, we were playing we were playing the Wallabies, who we'd beaten a number of times, um, but we knew that they were a tough opposition because they've always been. You know, we we only just sort of beat them. We don't we don't often thrash them. So, um, you know, I think um, yeah, just just different team, different level of experience. Um, you know, no no expectations in, in in London because we were playing on you know away from home and no one had even done that before. No one had even won away from home before. So it was um, yeah, it was very different. And I know it was sort of ten years ago and we're taking it back. But did you sort of see the pressure within the camp before the final? So did you notice sort of, I guess, within the air and so on? Is this 2015? Uh, 2011. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, um, no, you see pressure all the time. And you know, from the quarterfinal onwards, because you lose the quarterfinal, you go home. Um, and what's happened in 2007, right? So it's, um, no, I mean, it's, you always feel the pressure. Um, and some people will deal with it in different ways. So, um you know, I remember 2011, you, you sort of, in the week of the final, we hardly saw each other, like, other than training and stuff. It was a real quiet, bizarre feeling around the, around the hotel, you know. It was sort of, everyone was just, whether they were focused or just chilling out or just sort of staying away from each other, it was pretty, it was it was pretty hard to sort of see people, um, which was, a, maybe it was a bit of a concern, but... um yeah, no, you definitely see it, and some people just just still want to keep laughing and still want to keep you know, enjoying it, and that's how they deal with the pressure. But we often talk about it, so uh, it's not like we shy away from it. And in 2019, do you think it was the pressure that got to him? Were they simply outplayed on the day, or was it something on the players weren't quite ready? What do you think went wrong for you there? 
Yeah, good question, mate. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it, it definitely wasn't big more pressure or anything like that. It was just another massive semi-final. Um, and England um, definitely outplayed us. You know, they were the better team. They deserved to win on the day. Um, I mean, you always want to know what, what we could have done different, and there's lots we could have done different. Um, but it's easy in hindsight. We could have... You know, on another day we could have beaten England by by twenty as well. So um, that's the game. That's why we love the game, right? There's just a couple of little nuances there where, um, you know, they got on the scoreboard early and and um, and, and we sort of chased the game and and yeah, they 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 did what they did and you know it would have been interesting to see if it was an All Black South Africa final what would have happened. But um, you know, England obviously had their massive game against us because they had nothing in the final. Um, we had a massive game against Ireland in the quarterfinal, and we were we were crap against England. So um, that's the nature of sport, you know, up and down. And if someone could solve that that conundrum, they'd be a, a very sought after person. On the SNC front, how do you sort of prep for that big semi final? Do you do anything differently? Like, so if you're coming up against, you said Ireland the quarters and England semis, was there anything that you changed? No, no, you don't change much because you know you sort of. I mean, you might you might change volume and intensity and stuff like that, and um, you know, but you sort of you, you, we don't tend to tweak too much stuff um, week to week because um, you know it's just another week, it's just another game. Um, there's just a bit more riding on it. That's all. Um, so from an SNC perspective, um, yeah, not a lot of change. I guess looking to the future, are there sort of any new trends or innovations that you see, and I guess that we'll see within the world of sport or in the world of rugby? I think technology is obviously changing heaps. Um, I don't know if we'll see much on the field, um, the impact of that on the field, but it definitely means we can, you know, collect more information on athletes, um, you know, whether that's when they're asleep or whether that's when they're in the gym or whether it's on the field or whether that's, you know, um, uh, machine learning, you know, computers looking at data and spitting out some some observations of all this information that's been fed into it. Um, you know, there'll be, there's a lot of stuff like that going on. Um, at the end of the day, it's still a pretty simple game, right? You know, um, win the collision, um, go forward with the forwards and know his set piece and and um, and try and create gaps in, in the defensive system. So the, the, the game hasn't changed a lot. Um, we've just got bigger, faster athletes. Um, and um, probably more information at our fingertips. So it's really up to the staff to to try and make better decisions and, and try and learn faster than anyone else. Is there a case to collect more data sort of like off training, so like sleep and so on? Oh, that's been going on for years. You know, like I was looking at sleep stuff for, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. I mean, the technology back then was pretty raw and, and, and young, but um, yeah, I mean, there's always there's always a tendency to want to collect more information, but if the information is not helping you change anything, it's a waste of time, you know. So, so that's sort of where we've got to is you've just got to make sure your energy is being put in the right places and you're collecting the right information that's going to help you make the right decisions. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's about decision making and and you know, hoping that information helps you make the right one more often. <laughs> I guess we're coming towards the end, so I want to ask one final question, which is, so I'm in America at the moment, so there's a big debate between rugby and football. How much um, do the big boys in the rugby team sort of bench and sort of squat? Just uh, uh, On a test comparison. week, so on a Monday before a test, um, my props would squat between um, 200 and 250 kilos. 
Wow. Um, and my prop speech would probably, oh, some of them are as low as 140, but some of them are as high as sort of 170, 180. Uh, I've had a prop that was benching 200 every week before, but it didn't last that long. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, some, some, strong, some strong boys, eh? And is that one rep or...? No, that's your training rep. So that'll be oh, like okay. for twos or threes. Oh, yeah. wow. And they'll do three sets. Awesome, yeah. I'm in America yeah. at the moment, so I love sort of hearing the comparisons between football and rugby. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the big difference from my understanding, like if you think about a defensive lineman, you know, the big boppers in, in yeah. NFL, um, they're probably as strong and as powerful as some of the big boppers in rugby, but they just don't run anywhere. Yeah. You know, so, so they just they, they lift weights and they push bodies, but they actually don't run. Hmm. Um, so that's the difference in rugby is our big boys would be as strong as powerful I would have thought um, or close to it and um, um, but but they have to run you know five six seven kilometers in a game yeah. so yeah a bit different eh? but different well awesome Nick that was incredible to hear us sort of get a bit more of an insight of what it's like to sort of be a part and work with one of the arguably the most successful sports teams or international sports teams ever so thank you very much for your time no problem guys Cheers, thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to the Tap and Go podcast. I'm John Hardy and I'm a Loose Heads ambassador, the mental health movement normalising the conversation in rugby. Head over to looseheads.co.uk and get 15% off at checkout now with code TAP and GO. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.